Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. The first time my dad asked me to share a message a few years ago, uh, probably wasn't very good, but I was also uh, super nervous. But I think I'm more nervous today because the first time I spoke, uh, there's probably about 35 people in the room, and now it's a packed house, and there's like 35 people watching online or more. And so, yes, to answer the question, everybody's thinking, yes, I'm nervous. <laughs> but it is an honor to give the message. You know, Family Church is my church home. Mom and Dad came to Wellsville when I was one, and uh, they've been here <laughs> in, in, in senior pastor leadership uh, all of those years. And uh, of course, I moved away uh, for a while, and, uh, and God called Lauren and I, and I back uh, to serve this, this, uh, this church and this community. Uh, and it's such an honor and, and privilege to serve alongside so many other great leaders and to see, uh, to see the fruit that God's doing, to see, to see people activate their faith and know God, find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference. Uh, it's the calling that God has put on my life. And he's put it on so many of your lives too. And it really is a pleasure uh, to, to serve alongside you. And I'm so thankful for it. Well, the philosopher Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy to our spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy to our spiritual life in our day. And as you read that quote, some of you are thinking, has Dallas Willard watched the news the past five years? Because there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of problems our society faces. And we're thinking, man, what's the great enemy to our spiritual life? Well, we've got a lot of enemies out there. There's a lot of bad stuff in the world. And he's gonna say that hurry is the great enemy. And if you're like me, that's kind of what I thought the first time I heard this quote. There's that, like, yeah, I, I don't know about that. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. But then there's this part on the inside of me that's like, mm, it kind of hit home. It kind of hit home. Now, I want to start off by saying this topic I'm about to talk on, I'm not an expert on it. <laughs> you know, I'm not the professor up here teaching the class. This is something that God has been working in my life and Lauren's life and my family's life. And I know that the Holy Spirit put it on my life. And I just want to share part of that journey. But I do believe that as we look to the life of Jesus, as we look to the life of Jesus and we want to follow him, that's the invitation that Jesus had for us, right? Follow me, follow me. If we follow Jesus, we can see that hurry is not the life that he had for us. As Jesus followers, there's a better way. Now, here's what I know about you. You're busy. You're busy, I'm busy, everybody's busy. We live in a busy society. In fact, if you ask people, hey, how you doing? One of the most common responses you'll hear back is, I'm good, just busy, right? We're busy people that live in a busy society. But the problem is when we're so busy, when there's no margin in our lives, when we kind of go at this fast speed, this breakneck speed of, of always go, 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 always striving but never arriving, well, it leads to some problems. And one of those is this anxiety. Anyone ever have this low hum of anxiety in the back of your mind like, I got to get more done. I got to get more done. There's more things I should be doing. And when you have this constantly replaying in the back of your mind, this low hum of anxiety, I got to do I got to work, I got to get this, it distracts from the relationships closest to us, both our heavenly father relationship and those relationships to our loved ones that we lived with. It weighs us down. We don't have time for others. We aren't thoughtful. We aren't loving the way that Jesus called us to be loving. In fact, can any of you ever relate to this? Have you ever thought, I need to send someone a thank you note? 
You know, I, I need to write a thank you note, but then you get busy. You don't write the thank you note. And a few days go by and you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta write that thank you note. But you're so busy, you don't take the five minutes to write the thank you note. And then a couple of weeks go by and you're like, has the time window passed where I can still send the thank you note? I'm not sure, but I'm still pretty busy. And then a month goes by and you're like, okay, well now I know I just can't send the thank you note. You know, I just, I, it'd be weird now. Who gets a thank you note a year later? <laughs> so we don't say thank you because we're too busy. And some of us, when we get so busy, we don't make room for the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't make room for our, to, to work on our relationship with God. We don't have appropriate rest. We're not taking care of ourselves. Ultimately, we can start to crumble under the pressure. We can self-medicate and we can burn out. That's what I hit in my own life. I hit that wall of burnout. Real quick, this is what burnout looked like for me. It looks different for different people, but I'm a classroom teacher. And one of the basic things I've done in, in over a decade in the classroom is when kids walk into my classroom, I'll greet them by name at the door, right? Hey, Allie. Hey, Joey. I just say hello as they walk into my classroom. And this is what burnout looked like for me. I couldn't get myself out of my desk chair to the door to greet them by name. And I was like, what is going on? Now, don't worry, nobody died in my classroom. I still taught the lesson. I still did the basic minimum requirements of my job, but there was no room for extra because I was pushing myself too hard. And I didn't realize it at that moment, but I hit burnout. And many of you have a similar story. If you think about it, you're like, yeah, I did burn out in that season in one way or the other. And then I would come home from work and Lauren would say little things. She meant them in love, but she would honestly say like, man, you're kind of you're grumpy a lot of the time. Are you ever happy? <laughs> And it's because I, well, I was burning out because I was always striving, but never arriving. There's a term called hurry sickness. This is an actual medical diagnosis. Hurry sickness is defined as this. It's a malaise, an ill feeling in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tend to perform every task faster and get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Hurry sickness. This was coined by Dr. Meyer Friedman. He was a cardiologist in the 1950s. He coined this term. Dr. Friedman discovered common behavior characteristics in heart uh, patients that he had. And the common behavior characteristics that he had was they were always in a rush. They were always in a hurry. Now, who wants to find out if you have hurry sickness? Here's the quick diagnosis. When you're in the grocery store, you're looking for the shortest checkout line and you pick that line. And if it doesn't move fast enough, what do you do? You jump over to the other one. And some of you are thinking, okay, all, this, all the stores just have self-checkout right now. So that doesn't, even, that doesn't even make sense. But how can you tell if you have hurry sickness? Here's 10 signs that you hurry too much. 10 signs that you hurry too much. Number one is irritability. You get mad or frustrated too easily. Little things irk you. And you're irritable with the people closest to you. Now, maybe not at church. You might come to church and you might be friendly, right? Shaking hands, being positive with a smile. But are you irritable to the people closest to you? Your spouse, your kids, your roommate, your closest family members? Do they irk you and do you have an irritability with them? Number two, hypersensitivity. Minor comments can set you off and turn into major emotional events. You don't like getting feedback because you take it as harsh criticism. Ordinary problems that most people experience, they have a disproportionate effect on your health. You're hypersensitive. Number three, restlessness. You like the idea of sitting down and reading a book. You like the idea of slowing down, but when you do it, you feel like your phone just vibrated. Or you feel like, oh, I really got to text that person back. Or I really need to look that up on Wikipedia and check on that. You have a hard time relaxing. Number four, nonstop activities. You're always on the go. 
you're addicted to getting stuff done, and there's something to be said for being productive. In fact, when I'm talking about hurry, hurry isn't having a lot to do. You know, Jesus had a lot to do. It's not about having a lot to do. It's about having too much to do. The definition of hurry is when you have too much to do. When you always have nonstop activities, sometimes you're super productive at work. You put in the time, you get everything done, but then you come home and the people closest get the worn out, tired, just let me relax version of you. And that's, that's not really fair to them, is it? And that's not really who you want to be, but the nonstop activities wear on you. Number five, emotional numbness. You don't feel like you have the capacity to, capacity to truly empathize and feel someone else's pain. You think about, man, I, I, I should reach out to that person. I should let, on, let them know that I'm here for them, that I'm caring for them, that I'm praying for them, that I'm available. But you're like, I just don't know if I have the emotional bandwidth to be with them in their pain and empathize with what they're going through. Number six, out of order priorities. You're constantly putting out, a fi out fires. You're dealing with the tyranny of the urgent and the way that you spend your time doesn't match up with what you truly value. In fact, one definition of success that I love from John Maxwell, he says, you know what success is? It's when the way that you spend your time and your values line up. It's a good definition of success. You say you value time with your kids. So you say you value your kids so you truly spend that time with them. But sometimes we get out of order priorities and the way that we spend our time is like, man, this isn't even what's most important to me, but I feel all, all of my time goes to this task or to this. Number seven, lack of care for your body. You don't get enough sleep. You're tired all the time. You really need that cup of coffee. You don't take the time to exercise or drink enough water. Number eight, escapist behavior. When you're too tired or don't have the time to do what's life-giving and healthy, you turn to a distraction of choice, of scrolling social media, of, oh, we overeat, we overdrink, we binge something, we just want to escape. Number nine, our spiritual disciplines slip or they're inconsistent. Reading our Bible, spending that time with God, praying, serving, being in a group, being generous, coming to church. These things encourage us and they are life-giving and they feed our soul, but sometimes they slip because we're just too busy. We're in too much of a hurry. And then the last one is isolation. You feel disconnected to God you begin to feel disconnected to friends because you don't have time to get together and, and, and connect and talk. Sometimes you're with family or friends, but then you get sucked away. You isolate yourself on your phone. And if you've ever been told, hey, can you get off your phone, please, by your five-year-old? <laughs> Maybe that's you. Now, I know I kind of just drug us through a swamp, and that wasn't very encouraging. And when I saw that list, I was like, what am I, seven out of 10? And Lauren was like, no, you're, you're 10 out of 10. <laughs> or you have been at one time. It's tough. And I'm not at all meaning to heap any guilt here. But I'm saying there's a problem. And here's why this matters. Some of our worst moments, some of our worst moments as husbands, as fathers, as friends, as fellow believers in Christ is when we're short on time, when we're in a hurry. When do I ignore the person that might need my time? When am I harsh or bitter or cutting? It's when I'm in a hurry. To the people closest to me, I lash out. I don't mean to, but I lash out because I'm in a hurry. This past week, Brecken and Annie had cheer camp in Gardner. So as we're driving over to Gardner uh, for their cheer camp each evening, Annie asked the same question every day. She says, are we, are we gonna be late? Are we, are we late? 
And I was like, no, just relax, we're fine. Where does she get that? At her young age, where does she get that she needs to worry about being on time? And then I think, how many times have I said, hurry up, hurry up and go potty, let's go. Hurry up, get your shoes on. Hurry up, get buckled in. Hurry up, help your sister. Hurry up, let's go. And I think, what have I done? You know, I'm writing this message and I'm working on this and I'm preparing and I'm realizing, you know, by my actions, I've, I've created this, this little anxiety in her five-year-old mind that she's gonna be late. And some of our worst moments are when we're in a hurry. Now, it's not entirely your fault because our society runs off being busy. As a history teacher, I love looking at turning points in history and how history got us to where we're at. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb about 135 years ago. Did you know that when Edison invented the light bulb, the average American got 11 hours of sleep per night? 11 hours of sleep per night when Edison invented the, before Edison invented the light bulb. Today we get on average seven. And most of you in the room, you feel good when you get that seven hours of sleep. Sometimes we feel like we're on a treadmill and society just pushes it a little bit faster, just a little bit faster, just a little bit faster. We look back and like, man, look at this fast speed. Everything seems to be going so fast. 7-Eleven. In the 1950s, most businesses were closed on Sundays. In fact, a lot of businesses closed at 6 p.m. on weekdays. That was kind of standard business operating hours. And then 7-Eleven came into cities across the country and they said, we're gonna be open till 11 p.m. seven days a week. And they changed the game. And it wasn't too long after that that businesses started being open 24 hours. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a place that we all know and love in our culture that does something counterintuitive. They do something countercultural. And of course, I'm talking about the Lord's chicken, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays and it's like a punchline that they're closed on Sundays. It's almost as if Chick-fil-A took a vow of poverty to be closed one day a week when just a generation ago, that was kind of the norm that places closed on Sunday. Sunday was a day of rest. Sunday was a day of family. Sunday was a day of church and relaxing, but our society has, has sped up. And now it's countercultural to slow down and take even one day a week off. And I wonder what this quick pace of life, this frantic pace of life is doing to our souls, that spiritual part of us that lives forever, right? We're triune beings, right? We have a body, we have a mind, and we have our soul. Our soul is the part of us that's gonna last forever, that's gonna live forever in heaven. And I wonder, what is this quick pace doing to our souls? Because God has designed us for that relationship, right? Over and over again in the Bible, we see this relationship with the Father. Paul talks about having relationship, knowing him more, and that's our, our soul. But if we're so quick, we don't make the time for it. In our society, we use slow as a negative descriptor. At the restaurant, if the service was not great, it was, it was slow. If the movie didn't keep your attention, the movie was slow. If the Amazon package takes three days, the delivery was slow. Slow is a negative. Fast is good, slow is bad. Now, but by now you're like, okay, so you can offer any solutions or are you just gonna tell us some things we already knew about how society moves fast? And the solution is, just like in Sunday school, we're gonna look to Jesus. We're gonna look to Jesus. Now, Jesus was alive for 33 years, right? He lived about 33 years. 30 years of that, we really don't know a whole lot. He, we, he lived a relatively quiet, normal uh, life, right? As a carpenter. 
And his ministry was three years. And during his ministry, right, we have a lot of written record of what he did during his ministry of teaching, of healing, of miracles. And did you know that during those three years, Jesus never once ran? It never talks about it, right? Talks about, and the Bible talks about running, right? Elijah ran, disciples ran. It never once mentioned that Jesus runs. Everywhere Jesus went, he walked. Now, Jesus could have ridden a horse. There was horses in the day. He could have rode a chariot. A lot of people, especially royalty, wealthy people, rode chariots. But Jesus never rode a horse. He never rode a chariot that we know of. In fact, the only time he rode an animal, you know what it was? He rode, one time he rode a donkey. Jesus wasn't in a rush. And Jesus also accomplished everything that God had for him. Now, Jesus was also interrupted frequently. In fact, next time you're reading through the Gospels, I challenge you, look at the number of times that Jesus was interrupted. Jesus will be teaching, he'll be telling a story, and he'll be interrupted with a question, right? Someone will say, Rabbi, what about this? When he's in the middle of teaching, and you know what he does? He takes the time to answer that question. Sometimes he'll tell an entire parable in response to a question. As he's in the middle of teaching, he'll be interrupted, but he will go with the interruption. He was interruptible. And sometimes Jesus would be walking somewhere, he would be going somewhere, and he would have a demand on him, right? People would say, there would be a crowd, or people would say, hey, come here to my house, I need you to heal. Hey, can you heal my sick? Hey, can you help me? Can you? I need to see, time and time again, Jesus is interrupted. And when Jesus is interrupted, you know what he does? He lives in that moment. He has compassion on the person that's, that's interrupting. And I wonder, are we, are we interruptible? How do you respond when you're interrupted? C.S. Lewis has a quote, a quote that looks like this. C.S. Lewis says, the way that you respond to an interruption, how you respond to an interruption is who you really are. And as the parents, we kind of shudder because we think of all the times that our kids interrupt us and how we're not always loving or compassionate or understanding in those moments. There's a saying in parent literature that goes like this. I think it's a little bit older, but it says, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And that's true. When it comes to a relationship, love looks like time. Love looks like slowing down. As I'm working on this message this week, I experience interruptions, right? One of the most common ones is pretty, pretty princess. We just got it for a birthday. And Annie wants to play Pretty Pretty Princess with me. And I know that it's going to involve, right, me wearing earrings and all the jewelry. And I know it's going to involve, the game's going to move at a slow pace. This isn't, you know, when you're playing a board game with the, with, with the kid, you don't rush through that. And it's going to involve me losing the game. But what does love look like? Sometimes that's what love looks like. If we want to love, right, the two greatest commands, the greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But love and hurry are not compatible. In fact, think about Paul's definition of love. In 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul describes what love is, the very first descriptor, he says, love is patient. As Jesus followers, if we're supposed to be loving, right, we can't hurry because love and hurry don't go hand in hand. If anyone here is single and you're looking for love, you're probably not looking for someone that's always in a hurry, that's always in a rush. In fact, some of you might have a bad date story, right? Because the person that you were with, they seem to be in a hurry, right? They seem to be in a rush. Love and hurry don't go hand in hand. 
Now, ultimately, this message, it's not about how busy your schedule is. It's not about the shows that you watch, the apps on your phone, your screen time, what your schedule looks like. It's about your relationship with God. That's what it's truly about. That's what matters. And Jesus offers a solution to hurry sickness. Jesus offers us a solution to being too busy. And here's what he said. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Let's look at Jesus' solution. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard these verses before. And it's Jesus is not promising us an easy life. He's saying the secret is the easy yoke. Jesus is like, there's a lot of ways to live life. The hardest way to live life, the hardest way to live life is to live life like everybody else in the world, but you add Jesus on top of it. Jesus saying that there's a better way. There's a better way. Here's, here's my yoke, right? The word picture would have made sense to the agriculture society that he talked to, right? Because they were a farming people. They saw oxen, they saw yoke, right? There's a picture. Let's take a look at what, what, what a yoke looks like, right? Now, one of these is Jesus. One of these is you. I'm gonna let you decide which is what. But the purpose of a yoke is to carry a burden, to carry weight. That's what a yoke did. It's like Jesus is saying, yes, there's gonna be a heaviness to life. There's going to be a burden. There's going to be weight that you're going to carry. But the way that I have designed it, I created you, I loved you, I have a plan and purpose for your life. And the way that I have designed it is for you to come alongside next to me and do life with me. The, the secret to the easy yoke is to do what? It's to come right alongside next to Jesus, to go at his pace, to go at his direction. Now, sometimes we might take on this yoke and what do we feel? Oh, we feel, we feel restricted. We feel tight. We wanna go do our thing. We wanna go this way. We wanna this, we wanna be free. We wanna... But where does that lead us? When we go off and do our own thing, we're like, man, I'm really tired from carrying all this heavy weight. And I get worn down and I get isolated and I get anxious and I get worried and I get burnt out. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Hey, come here, come here. Right next to me, right next to me. I got, I'm gonna do the heavy lifting. You just gotta get, you just gotta get in line next to me. Come with me this direction. This is, this is the plan. This is the purpose. This is the way. Trust and his understanding, right? We put our trust in him, not our own understanding. And he does the heavy lifting. The secret, the secret to that is to move at the same pace and the same direction as Jesus. He determines the pace. We're not calling the shots. We're not saying, hey, I think we need to go this way. Hey, I think we need to pick it up and go faster. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This is, this, this is my yoke. Just, you just come here next to me. I got the plan, right? You can do this. But what does that look like? In 2021, what, is that, what does that look like to take on the yoke of Jesus? To, to go at his pace. Well, what was the pace of Jesus? Three verses. Let's look at them real quick. Three verses. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know what the pace of Jesus is? Sometimes it's getting alone and getting quiet from all the noise that goes on in life. That's Luke 5, 16. Here's another one. This one's from Mark chapter one. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What's the pace of Jesus? 
getting up in the morning and spending time with God. Before you go digital, before you get too busy, before you get out the door, you spend that time with God. Third one, come come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. You see the theme here? The pace of Jesus, it is making time for God. It's making time for God. The easiest thing is to go at Jesus's pace. The hardest thing is what a lot of us try to do. Like, yes, I I believe in Jesus, but also, you know, I gotta strive because I gotta get all this done. I got a lot to do, I gotta do. And so we strive and strive and strive, but we never arrive. But Jesus is saying, slow down. Come at my pace. Come alongside me. Spend time with me. That's where that relationship is. It feeds our soul. Be still and know that I am God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you, right? Striving looks like I gotta work, 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 work. I gotta get this, I gotta obtain this. These are, these are what I'm seeing. No, 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 Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. That means come alongside me and that's where you'll find rest for your souls. That's where life won't be so heavy. It's still gonna be heavy. There's still gonna be a burden, but I'm gonna do the heavy lifting. How do you go with the pace of Jesus? You spend time with God each day. That's it. Now I know this is countercultural. And one 25-minute message probably is not going to change your life. Right? It's not like there's a silver bullet. I haven't figured out this in my own life. I'm trying. I'm not striving. I'm trying. But as we close, I want to give you two simple next steps. The first one is to join a five-day Bible reading plan this week. Five-day Bible reading plan. To join this plan, you can take out your phone and you can just text the word hurry to the number that you see on the screen. That's the church number. This is a five-day Bible reading plan. It talks about some practical handles, some practical steps. If you wanna join this, I would love for you to join uh, the church as we do this five-day Bible reading plan. Spending that time with God in the morning and looking at what does it look like to go at the pace of Jesus? What does it look like to come along that, that easy yoke? If that's the life right, that he has for me, how can we do that? You can text hurry to 785-261-0484 and join that five-day Bible reading plan this week. The second one we're gonna do as you pray with me. So let's, let's pray together. And as we pray together, as we close, I would just ask you to, to, pray, this, to pray this simple prayer right where you're at, as you breathe in and just say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? Holy Spirit, what do you have for us? What from this message do we, do we need to take and apply to our lives? Father, we know that you created us, that you had a plan and purpose for our life, and that is what we want. We want your plan over our plan. We don't want to strive and strive and strive and never arrive. We want to find rest in you. We want to find contentment and peace and joy that you offer us when we do life your way, when we come alongside you and have that relationship with you. So if there's something that we need to say no to, just show it to us. Holy Spirit, show it to us this week. If there's something that we need to say, say yes to spending that time with you. Help us this week to walk with you and spend time with you. Thank you, Father, for guiding us, for giving us spiritual wisdom and practical wisdom.
to know you more. And as we continue praying, if there's someone listening that you wanna make the decision to follow Jesus, you say, I've tried to do life my own way. I have strived and strived and strived and man, I have gotten burnt out and I just don't know what the answer is. The answer is Jesus. And if you need to make the decision to follow Jesus, you can do that this morning. It's a simple prayer. It's a simple decision. It's not easy, but it's simple. You can just say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've messed up. I believe in you and in your son Jesus and that you can forgive me. I confess that you are Lord and I want to follow your will. Amen. If you made that decision, we would love to follow up with you and pray with you this week. You can mark on your Connect card. If you're following along on the Bible reading plan, I hope it's encouraged you this week. But overall, thank you for being here this morning. Pastor Curtis will be back next week at kicking off a new series, and we'll be celebrating the 4th of July with some fun things. Thank you for being here. We love you. Have a great week.